0: Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome to our behind-the-episode look at In Good Company. I am your interviewer, Alessandra McLaughlin, the patron services manager at New Conservatory Theater Center. And when I'm not doing that, I am a freelance director as well as arts administrator, which gives me permission to do really cool stuff like this, like interview our guest today. On today's episode, we have writer Elizabeth Gregory Wilder. Hi, Elizabeth.
1: Hello. How are you?
0: I'm great. I'm happy to talk to you. Uh, Elizabeth is an Osborne Award-winning, Kilroy-list-making, internationally-produced playwright. She's had her plays produced at the Royal Court in London, the Denver Center, Cleveland Playhouse, Hartford Stage, and B Street Theater, which might be familiar to some Bay Area theater people, as B Street Theater in Sacramento, uh, to name a few places. She's also the Tennessee Williams Playwright-in-Residence at uh, Sewanee, the University of the South, and I'm excited to chat with her. So I'm going to start us off with a question that I know is on everyone's mind, including mine. How has writing for uh, in quarantine been for you?
1: Um- Writing in quarantine has been really challenging, um, partly because I'm parenting full-time and partly because I'm, yeah. I'm I'm worried that we're watching the slow downfall of our nation. Um, and so it's, <laughs> between the two things, those two things, I feel like I haven't had a lot of brain space. Um, I think that that's one of the things that was so exciting about being asked to work on In Good Company was that it gave me A reason to write it gave me a deadline it gave me some accountability and also the podcasts were were fun but they were sort of small attainable goals and uh and that 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 felt like something i could do right now whereas the thought of writing an entire play right now feels a little overwhelming
0: yeah it can feel really daunting i'm sure
1: yes you know, when the pandemic first hit, there were all of these memes floating around about how Shakespeare wrote Hamlet during the plague, and I right. I wanted to write back and say, but Shakespeare wasn't trying to teach online while homeschooling his kids. So right. Shakespeare wasn't homeschooling children. <laughs> yes, yes. So um, you know, I had to I had to let go of that expectation um, and lower <laughs> the bar for myself. Um, but you know, it's been nice to have. A project to work on, and it was it was nice to work with the people in the room. It was nice to be in a writer's room. I worked on television years and years and years ago, so I hadn't been in a writer's room in a really long time. And so, while it took me a few days to kind of get get my legs um, back, it it was a really wonderful opportunity to collaborate with people, which of course is what makes theater so wonderful. And I think one of the things that I miss the most right now.
0: Something I'm curious about, you know, as a writer has it been hard to respond to the moment? Every day it seemed like new things were being added because, you know, you had to, the world was changing.
1: Well, I think one of the big challenges for us was because the world was changing so rapidly, um, we couldn't really, we had an idea of what that final episode was going to be, which I think is important because it gives you something to work toward. But I think we all realized very quickly that, the journey to get to that moment was going to evolve as the state of the world evolved. And so, you know, I found that even after we broke story, we had to go in and sort of fine tune things to make sure that um, we were staying current because, you know, sometimes things had changed, you know, virtually overnight
0: Right. With the, you know, with the Black Lives Matter stuff and the, you know, <laughs> you guys stopped right before the California fires. I'm sure that probably would have played yes. an element into it. You know, it's it seems like we're watching history happen live, which a lot of our, you know, I know my grandparents obviously lived through World War II. You're living history, whether you realize it or not.
1: Yeah, it's been interesting because my my grandmother, and this tells you how much older I am than you are. Um, my grandmother is a hundred and five. Wow,
0: good for her. So
1: yeah, so she can now say that she lived through the Spanish flu, World War One, World War Two, polio. And now coronavirus. Um, she actually had coronavirus two weeks ago, oh, wow. and is still with us, um, which is sort of miraculous. Good for her. Um, that is- yeah. So you know, when I think about, you know, it feels a little surreal for a lot of us because we are living in this moment that you know history is going to go back and and comment on, um, and it's strange to to be in that moment and to think about how are we going to look back on this moment in time? Um, But when you look at, you know, I look at the life of my grandmother in 105 years and how many uh, moments that are comparable to this, that she has lived through. But it's also a reminder that like you do get through it, you know, and it's going to shape, it's going to shape our world and it's going to shape the way we do things. And it's already made, um, a huge impact on how we live our lives and what are the, what are the things that we've learned for from it that we're going to continue with. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting to sit back and reflect on that. Um, you know, I, I'm curious to see how people write about this moment. Um, I, I didn't, I, I enjoyed writing about it in, um, podcast form. Do I, think I'm going to go write a play about it. I, I don't know. I, at this point, I, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was feeling really antsy again, because I was, I, I needed some small attainable goals, um, as a writer, but I didn't have a lot of time. Um, but I wanted to find some interesting ways to, to tell stories. And so I created a project called, uh, the front porch plays. And so there were, you know, it's a, Four monologues that we rehearsed and basically, you know, put actors in cars and we uh, traveled around our community door to door performing awesome. these plays in people's front yards, and it was like fifteen minutes of micro theater. And all of the monologues were in response to coronavirus and quarantine, um, but from different perspectives. And and it just felt so good to go out and, and find a way to connect with people and the community was so grateful for that. And so actually um, that inspired the final moments in the podcast in, in good company. I, I won't give you, I won't tell any more cause I don't want to spoil anything, but no spoilers, <laughs> um, no spoilers but, um, but it d- definitely served as inspiration. Um, but I think, you know, people are just, we're just desperate to connect with one another. And so finding ways to do that um, has been really interesting and exciting to see ha- how we do that and how we continue. You know, this art form just continues to um, find new ways to reinvent itself.
0: Right. And to get into your episode, that is a perfect transition. We see this really interesting uh, interaction between Kaiser and Javier, and we see Kaiser breaking down his walls a lot. And it seems that the Black Lives Matter movement really sort of inspired that conversation. We were seeing a more, you know, as Kaiser is a BIPOC artist living in this world, we sort of see him break down the walls that he's put up to be this confident, you know, New York playwright, all these things. what Was it inspired by some of these things, some of the stuff that you had seen from the community, what was needed, you know?
1: I Definitely. You know, I, I was really trying to stay, um, educated and aware of the conversations that were happening in regard to um, the black lives matter movement, the BIPOC movement, also the, we see you white, um, white American theater. Um, And so I felt like I was able to take a lot of what I was hearing from friends and members of that community and the conversations that were happening and trying to take that and apply it to the stories that we were trying to tell because you want to try to tell them in the most authentic way possible. Um, you know, and it's, it's one of the, one of the things I love most about being a playwright is that it gives me a chance to stand in other people's shoes and see the world from different perspectives. And, and I find that to be a real, a real gift, um, that comes from doing what we do. Um, I think it, it requires a lot of empathy and awareness. And, um, you know, so much of why I write is to make sense of the world around me. And um, I think being able to look at the world and look at different situations and scenarios from different perspectives helps me do that. It's sort of my way of, of working through all of that
0: right and i think another really great moment and it is the lola and skip conversation because i know when i read it and when i listened to it i was like oh i i know this conversation as someone who is luckily still employed at his theater and you know is working in the theater these are very real conversations that theaters had to have what inspired that was it like you know you know obviously you've worked in theater so you know how the admin side works probably but you know how do you had any experiences like that or were you you hearing from friends knowing that these were the conversations they had to
1: have? Oh, you know, I was just watching theater after theater um, that I love and admire and have relationships with um, making these really tough calls about like, how, how do we proceed? Um, And, and so it felt, you know, it felt very familiar. It felt very personal. Um, You know, I, I had a show that was, eight days into rehearsal when the world got shut down Um, and that's a play that's not going to come back. And, and that's Mm -hmm. heartbreaking, you know, when you see two and a half years worth of work just sort of disappear. Um, And, you know, but I know that, I mean, my heart through all of it was breaking for all of these artistic directors and administrators who were having to make these really painful decisions.
0: Right. It's sort of, I was told it was from um, other administrators who have been in the industry longer than I have that it was very much mirrored to the um, economic crash in the late 2000s. Mm-hmm. That was like every, every theater was sort of in a similar boat where they were like, what are we going to do? Where, you know, there's not a lot of money to go around. What are we going to do? And it's interesting mm-hmm. to see how that's even more mirrored. It's even taken further now because we can't gather you know, then you could try to gather.
1: Yeah. You know, during that crisis, you could still produce theater. You might have to do it on a different budget or a different scale, but you could still, you could still tell your stories. Um, And it, you know, it's really scary to think of how many theaters are potentially not going to come back um, from this.
0: Yeah. It's very scary. And I think also something that was brilliant in the episode was the way the police brutality moment was handled. I thought it was handled with such personal, it didn't feel like it was, okay, we're just going to have, we're going to throw this in here. We're just going to put this in here. It felt very personal, especially felt very personal for Lola. What sort of brought that about other than, you know, the overarching talking about the Black Lives Matter movement and police brutality?
1: Um, I think a lot of that came from just being a parent for me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, um, you know, I, I, I'm in a very different situation and yet, um, I, I can imagine the fear that came from that moment. Um, and so that, that was really what I tried to to tap into. Um, and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, pull from those experiences. And also just, you know, again, like trying to be trying to be an active listener in terms of hearing what other people were saying about these moments and the stories that Mm -hmm. friends had told about similar situations and moments in their lives. Um,
0: Yeah. It felt like, I think what was so interesting to me about this episode and now that you bring that up it like, it's like a light bulb in my head it felt like an episode that was people listening to each other. You know, Mm -hmm. it was, where are we meeting on the, you know, I've had so many conversations with friends over these past six months, just about everything. I'm like, where, you know, me as a gay white male, where can I meet these people? Where can I meet all of my friends, where they're at, you know, where can I meet Mm -hmm. people in the world where they're at? Where can I meet this moment? And I just think Mm -hmm. it was so in the episode, kudos to you. It was handled so well in that personal way.
1: Well, thank you. That means a lot because, um, you know, as as a straight white woman, um, uh-huh. it it's a. I wanted to make sure that I was handling it with care, and um, honesty, and integrity, and um, so you know, I worked really hard on, on that episode. And, you know, I think one of the great things about what Ed did was he, he pulled together a room full of people who all were coming from very different perspectives. So even though I wrote the episode, all of those people and their experiences helped shape that episode. So, you know, people were able to give me notes and, um, I was able to incorporate those notes into the work because we knew that this was a really important conversation that, that that had to be had within the context of the, the story. Um, And we just really wanted to get it right. So, you know, I I might've put the words on the page, but the, the feedback um, from that group of writers really is what made made it what it you know what it turned out to be
0: Mm -hmm. that's awesome and it's so great that you all not only got your individual voices but worked your voices together to make Mm -hmm. this great thing and unfortunately elizabeth we are out of time but thank you so so much for chatting with me today it's been a pleasure
1: thank you so much
0: Yes. And for our listeners, thank you for joining uh, Elizabeth Gregory Wilder and I on this bonus episode for In Good Company. This is presented by New Conservatory Theatre Center. We are San Francisco's premier non queer and allied theatre, but you can learn more about us at nctcsf.org. There you can also donate. Any amount helps right now. It helps us bring you content like this as well as continue to be an artistic home for Bay Area artists. And you can find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at New Conservatory Theatre Center. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us.